I think I took that photo, didn't I? Poor man, he woke up and he saw me. <laughs> um, the technical term for how Steve was in that photo is doolally. Um, if you've got your Bibles, you're going to need them this morning. Open them up, turn them on. Luke chapter 4 is where we're going. Uh, I actually, I, I had a divine appointment walk up to me while I was cleaning my boat yesterday. I, um, we got back from, a, from going fishing and, and having a picnic on Matakana Island and had the boat parked in the driveway for, the, uh, for cleaning all the... Um, stuff off it and I was there and there's been a gentleman who's parked in our street a few times in recent weeks and anyway I was out there washing the boat and he walked up to me and I thought he was just interested in boats um, I don't understand why anyone wouldn't be and he, he wandered up to me and anyway cut a long story short talked to him for a while about important issues like karaoke and um, other things and then I just said to him I said I hope this doesn't sound strange but is there anything at all that I can pray for you about? Do you have any needs? And just standing right there on the driveway, he melted, began to weep, and I got to talk to him about the Lord and pray for him in my driveway, stinking of fish, washing down the boat. So I think we're in the days now where actually, uh, uh, if you're willing, opportunities will walk up to you. They'll just simply walk up to you. Um, and it's not, just, it's not just for the, quote, evangelists. It's for all of us. And, you know, this, um, this, might, this might sound strange, but I am, man, I am so, and, and this, this was, so, so the engine room, the engine room of a church is the personal interaction between human beings and the Lord. And then it's, I believe, it's the times when we pray together. And uh, the prayer time we had this morning just reaffirmed exactly what, what I've been thinking for a while. We are just, we are more on the brink of God moving in an outrageous way in our land than I have ever felt in my lifetime. It's like I can taste it. It feels like my head was, is going to explode. And it's going to have a massive impact on the children. It's going to have a massive impact on the children. I actually, I actually believe, I, I would present this to you as a prophecy, there is going to come a time in church gatherings when someone is sick and the call is going to go out, call the children. Call the children to come and pray. Call the children to come and pray. It's going to have a massive impact on young people who have been sold this crock of nonsense that they are not created, but that they are just chance evolutionary accidents. It's going to, there's going to, you know, the Bible says uh, in Matthew 11, it talks about holy violence. There's going to come a holy violence in the lives of even our 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds when they realize the lie that they were sold, that you were not created. When they wake up, there's actually going to be uh, an anger that we're going to have to help them direct towards righteous anger that says, you told me what to society in general as they wake up to the fact that they are created and therefore have a purpose. There is always purpose with design, right? All right, okay, good point. You, enjoy, you know, Phil and, Phil and Steve get good feedback, and I get hmm, nodding. Um, I just want to share with you also, I put this on the community notice board this morning. Uh, this document came my way uh, two or three different ways. Um, it's a word for 2021 by the British Isles Council of the Prophets. And I, I encourage you to have a look at that. Uh, I, I would encourage you and my wife would encourage you to, uh, to deal with it carefully. Got to realize that some of this is specific. This is, not spe this is a word for the British Isles. This is, but there are some things in here that I think are incredibly confronting and very helpful for us, even in terms of things that the Lord has been saying to us here on the other side of the world. Things like this. This is a year of uncertainty where at times we will feel unsettled and unclear. It is not a predictable year. Don't assume you know what God wants you to do, but yield your agendas to him and ask him questions. The Lord says, I invite you into what I am doing. Stop inviting me into what you are doing. A lot of us are restless, and sometimes the restlessness works its way into being an uh, unhealthy impatience. Like, for example, 
you know, for me and Tasha and the elders and advisors, we're, you know, we're trying to work out what is the mission of the church? Even in terms of like, you know, we meet like this corporately and we meet from house to house. Some of you want us to meet from house to house every week. And you get frustrated when we say we're having corporate gatherings. And some of you want us to just have corporate gatherings. Gatherings. Neither of you are right. Sorry, neither of you are right. The Bible in the book of Acts, they met from house to house and in the temple courts. Now you might go, well, why are we doing three of one and one of the other? We're just, give us, look, give us a break. We're trying to work it out. And my, my opinion is this, might sound, might sound blunt, but be greatly suspicious of anyone who thinks they have all the answers, including me, because boy, oh boy, none of us do. So here's how the elders and our advisors are working this out. We are praying like crazy. We are listening to our spiritual advisors. We're doing our best to discern, and we're trusting that he will lead us. And if we get it wrong, Isaiah 30, 21 says, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, not that way, this way. So right now we're doing three of these and the last Sunday of the month we have a house-to-house gathering. That balance might shift. It might have to shift. God might make us shift or circumstances might. So we're trusting him to kindly lead us and redirect us when we go off track. Listen to this. God is determined to see transformation in the church before we see it in the nations. It will be gracious, but not gentle. It will be merciful, but it will be confrontational. The Lord says to the church, when the fear of the Lord returns, so shall glory. Trembling will become the dominant manifestation in the church going forward as a sign of the fear of the Lord coming into the house of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom coming other days when the wise church shall rise because she first fears the Lord. And then I like this one. And some of this is very encouraging to me because, you know, if you followed any of my ramblings on Facebook last year, I wrote a lot of this stuff. And so I read this and I'm like, praise God, I wasn't mental. Should have been an amen to that one. God is clearing the entertainment culture. Boy, when I wrote that essay last year called Stop the Show, I got blasted. I, I did a lot of deleting of comments because I got blo- I blocked some people because of the blastings they wrote. And then I got blasted again because some of them that I blocked knew people that told me how angry they were. God is clearing the entertainment culture that has ruled the church. He says, you have been entertained by my spirit rather than hosting me. And I love this. The Lord says to us, you continue to say the show must go on, but I say the show has been cancelled. So we put away the lights, and we never purchased the smoke machine, and if we did, we'd put a hammer through it. (laughs) Now, don't then go away and be rude to any other church in my name that has a smoke machine. (laughs) In two weeks, I'm preaching in one that has one. And I have lots of fun. I love them dearly, and I love provoking them about that. One time I was there, and they had the smoke machine going, and they were singing, Show Me Your Glory. I went to the pastor during the worship. I said, How are you going to know, mate? And he had a good old laugh. Okay, Luke chapter 4. Shall we get to the word? What do you reckon? Shall we get to the word? Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a good idea right there. We could stop right there. That would do us for the morning. (laughs) Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. And I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone." And the Lord answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. 
Lord, we ask that by your spirit, put fire on your word as we consider it. We ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation as we look at the word and as we apply this to our lives today. We ask Holy Spirit, even uh, for uh, like an altar call anointing to be through this room uh, as we look at this passage in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage lays out an interaction between the eternal Son of God and our adversary, Satan the devil. The devil challenges him three times in three very specific ways, and each of these confrontations gives us weaponry to deal with our own life journey, and each one illuminates challenges and traps that we face individually and as the church. So here's just a couple of important things to note before we get to these three things. Number one, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Take a deep breath. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus is our prototype. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. In some Christian traditions, that issue of being filled with the Holy Spirit is being, has been treated like, a, uh, like, an, like, a, like a, an added extra. But Jesus himself was filled with the Holy Spirit and he is the prototype. Bill Johnson says he is perfect theology. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to dissipation. Dissipates your life, dissipates your testimony, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Rick Joyner wrote it this way. He says, that's not a request to be considered. It's a command to be followed. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Please don't go quiet. I hate it when it goes really quiet. <laughs> Number two, he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. So this encounter with the enemy was not just some random thing walking along and suddenly, boo, there's the devil. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to this confrontation. So this encounter with the enemy was not just, quote, allowed by the Father, it was initiated by him. He's like, here we go, this is what's next up. So listen, not everything our Father does is comfortable, convenient, easy, or even very understandable. But he always has a higher purpose. Third thing to notice, I love this one, after 40 days he was hungry. Now, we can think that's just a silly little comment, but this is really important because it illuminates the fact that this is Jesus, not as some ethereal God floating through this, but walking through it as a man. You see his humanity here. This is a window into the story. The son of God was hungry. He's like, man, I'm hungry. I want something to eat because see, central to the gospel has to be this. God became a man. Without that, God became a man. Again, a Bethel quote, the son of God became the son of man. So sons of men and daughters, of course, and women could become sons of God. God became a man. So here we have Jesus hungry. There's a vul when you're hungry, there's a vulnerability. Oh, if I fast, I usually start with great resolve that often is a little different on the third day. Hello? God became a man. Another thing to notice is this entire passage is referred to as the, quote, temptation of Christ. But notice, before these three specific confrontations, the adversary had been tempting Jesus for 40 days. So he'd been tempting him for 40 days. Hebrews 4.15 we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet did not sin. So for 40 days, there's temptation going on. It's not specifically spoken about, but there's 40 days of temptation before this bit. <clears throat> now I have a question. Luke wasn't there. This is in the book of Luke. Luke wrote it. Luke wasn't there. It doesn't say that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit and Luke followed him with a pen and paper or a dictaphone or a GoPro. Luke wasn't there. So how do we have this record? 
It must have been. These are three illuminating confrontations. One of two things must have happened. Either Luke said, you referred to something out in the wilderness. Tell me about that. Or secondly, I reckon it was this. Jesus sat him down and said, now I need to tell you something. Make a record of this. Because this is important. Because these three illuminating confrontations that we're about to look at, they're recorded here for our benefit. Three of them. Now, I'm not going to refer to it right now, but write down 1 John 2, 15 through 17. We're going to finish with that verse. You want to know where this message is going? It's going to this verse. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he or she who does the will of God abides forever. Okay? Just take note of that. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So, confrontation number one. Luke chapter 4, verse 3. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. If you are the Son of God, What happens in Luke chapter 3? Jesus gets baptised and as he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him in bodily form and rests on him. And a voice is heard saying, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And now we have the devil. So that happens in Luke 3. Now we have the devil going, if you are the son of God. That's been a strategy right from the very, very beginning in the garden. Adam and Eve, did God really say? Don't eat from the tree of the... Did God really say? If you are the son of God. So the father had publicly stated, you are my son. And the devil begins by questioning the the, the, uh, identity of Jesus that was clearly stated by the father. And then he basically says this, if you are, prove it. Satisfy your hunger. Hey, son of God, you're in a tough spot. Alleviate your longing. Make it easier for yourself. You shouldn't have to put up with this discomfort, this unsatisfied longing. You are the son of God. You shouldn't have to suffer this hunger. This is a representation of the lust of the flesh. My flesh wants it. My flesh gets it. It's all through advertising. Get what you deserve. Get the service you deserve. Get the reliability you deserve. Get the quality of, you deserve a good night's sleep. Buy this $5,000 bed. I'm not saying don't buy the $5,000 bed. I don't, I'm not talking about that. But this is the nature. You deserve it. My question is, do we really want to get what we deserve? Can you see how this is also a warning for the church? Here's the warning for the church and for those who would want to see the numbers grow. Nothing wrong with the numbers growing, but I don't think that should be our motivation. Can you see the warning for the church? Soften the hard edges just a little bit. Reduce the demands on people. Uh, Make things easier. Avoid certain passages in the Bible that are a little bit uncomfortable. Feed the flesh. Hello? Are we doing okay? You're, is, is, that, is, that the, is that the good stern face or the, oh dear Jesus, when will he finish stern face? Are we, doing, are we all right? Here comes Jesus' response, verse four. Jesus answered him saying, well, I think you're a nasty devil and I just wish you would leave me alone, please. No. <laughs> He responded by saying, on the news I read, he responded by saying, I posted on Facebook and it got more likes than anything. No, he posted saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The son of God, who is the word of God, responded with the eternal word of God, which is the son of God. Did you hear that? 
the Son of God, who is the Word of God, responded with the Word of God, which is the Son of God, not as opinion, not as argument, smack. He just went smack. Man shall not live by bread alone. This is not just about earthly biological existence. This is eternal life. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Bang, smack, end of story. It's kind of like a polite version of saying, you idiot, shut your face, smack, here is the word of God. Number two, confrontation. Do you want to do all three or are you done now? <laughs> okay. There is a gift called exhortation. Can I encourage you to stir it up? Verse five. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. And I will give it, I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, it will all be yours. So here we have the adversary showing Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world and reminding him of Adam and Eve's failure. It was delivered to me. This was theirs and they handed it over and now I've got it and I can give it to whomever I wish. I think this confrontation is the lust of the eyes. You can have everything that you see stretching out before you. And then he makes them this attractive offer. See, Jesus was always aware that the cross was ahead of him. It wasn't like in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was suddenly like, oh, sugar, this looks bad. When he stood in front of Pontius Pilate, he wasn't thinking, I don't like the way this is going. He knew exactly. How do we know that? John 12, 27. Uh, my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, for this very reason I came. He knew what he was about. Jesus came back, came to get back everything that was lost in the garden. Amen. Everything that was lost before Genesis 3. He came to get it all back. Adam and Eve walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Perfect relationship that lasts forever, unbroken by death. He came to get it all back. No separation between man and God. Relationship between humanity and the divinity. Everything put back together. Oh my good gracious golly gosh. Well, I just don't think Christianity's got anything to offer the world. Are you kidding? <laughs> So I'm getting fired up now. I'm trying to. So here was why the devil's offer was potentially attractive, because he was offering him a shortcut. He was basically going, all right, I know what you're here for. I will give you what you came for without the cross. Just worship me. No big deal. Just worship me. I'll give it all to you. Everything you came for, I'll give it to you. None of that crossy nonsense. None of that bleeding and dying and none of that. No, 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 no. You're not going to need to borrow a tomb. I'll give it to you. Imagine if the Son of God had bowed to the devil. Imagine. Imagine if the third... Second person of the Trinity, just making sure I'm doing my maths. Imagine if the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God, had bowed his knee before the devil. Jesus came back to came to get back all that was lost, and if he'd bowed in that moment, all would have been lost. Can you see the potential trap for the church? You don't need to take the narrow road. Take the shortcut. You can have a little bit of compromise. Just avoid conflict with culture and society. Just, just, just take that agenda that is proliferating. Don't, don't confront that. Just leave that alone or maybe just bow to it a little bit. And these are the days where this is becoming more and more and more pertinent. The Bible says Jesus is the only way to the Father. But let's just, our church, just leave that alone. That, that'll get you in trouble. You might, you, might wind up, you might wind up with a nasty article written about you in the media. 
So, so we, just, we just, with some compromise, church, you can have your cake and eat it too. That's the trap. I think this is the lust of the eyes. Here's Jesus' response. Verse 8. Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. There's the smack. Don't you love it? Don't you love the it is written? Boom. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Jesus saw that the key issue here was about worship. And there is only one to be worshipped. And he only has one name. Jesus is not one of many options. There is only one to be worshipped. It's not all paths lead to some multi-choice heaven when you get there. Which way did you come in? I'm going to Buddhist heaven and I'm going to Muslim. There's only one. Boy, that's politically incorrect. Remember I told you two weeks ago, watch for this language. I believe even in the next three years, watch for this language about that sort of a comment. That's a religious relic from a darker time that has no place in our modern society. Watch for that kind of language because that's coming. Saddle up, church. Don't you love that? Get behind me, Satan. It is written. Smack. Is this helping anybody? Number three, confrontation three. You want to do number three? Who's up for number three? Give me a wave if you're up for number three. Okay, God bless you. Forgive me for those of you that are not. You were overruled. Verse nine. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are, there it is again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Now this is interesting, for it is written. He's paying attention, isn't he? For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Satan, first of all, goes back to, if you are the son of God, he's always asking believers questions you already know the answer to. Did God really say? Is it really written? If you are the son of God, here it is again, prove it. Show off a little bit. Throw yourself down. Come on, let's see some magic. Come on, put on a show. Matthew 12, 38, some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, sure thing, watch this. Is that what it says? He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, this is interesting. Jesus frequently did miracles right in front of everybody. Frequently. He did signs and wonders in front of all the people. He often said to them, don't tell anybody, and they always disobeyed. Have you noticed that? Whenever he said to someone, don't tell anyone, they went and told everybody. (laughs) He did signs and wonders in front of the people frequently, but he refused to perform on demand for the religious leaders who were used to controlling things. He refused to perform on demand and submit to their desire to control him. We have an untamed, uncontrollable saviour. He's not some namby-pamby little baby Simba. He's Aslan, you know what I mean? Like he is, anyway. Woo, speaking of untamed, there goes Zeke. I sowed the seeds of a lifelong love of boating in that young man last week. You're welcome, Jared. Now, here's the second thing. Notice this, the devil is quoting scripture. Albeit out of context, but he's quoting scripture. You need to realize the devil knows the word of God. He's actually got 2,000 years of experience with it. He knows it better than most of us know it. And so here he is weaponizing it against the Son of God. And he's very good at weaponizing it against the church. One of the ones that's been weaponized the most, especially with regard to evangelism, is I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might gain some. And we throw out theology and we throw out morality and we'll just do anything to reach anybody. We'll compromise anything. 
So the devil's had centuries of experience with it. He's skilled at weaponizing it against individuals and against the church. And I believe this, this is a representation of the pride of life. Show off a bit. Perform a sign for everyone who's watching. Go on, impress them. Can I tell you, this is a trap that I've fallen into. Honestly, this is a trap that I've fallen into. I've been in a situation where I'm invited somewhere as a guest speaker. And one of the great challenges if you get invited as a guest speaker is you have to learn to navigate these sort of introductions. It is our great privilege to blah, blah, blah. And it's all, it's all, it's all, it's just, we, we want everyone to think this guy is amazing. And it's dangerous. It's unhelpful. Let me just say, uh, he's a bloke, he's a friend of ours, he's from Tauranga, goes fishing. Loves Jesus. That's good. I've been in situations where, you know, you get a little bit puffed up by that and you just, you know, when you've got a spiritual gift, you can stir it up. Sometimes the Lord stirs it up. Sometimes he asks you to stir it up. Sometimes I've stirred it up to make myself look good and you don't, I'm not doing that anymore. It's the pride of life. It's dangerous. And you might be going, well, I'm glad that you finally recognized that as you arrogantly stir up your gift of discernment. <laughs> too blunt? Forgive me, it's too blunt. Can you see the warning for us? This is particularly important in days when everyone has a camera, camera on their phone and most people have some sort of a social media. We take pictures of the best and the brightest and the this and the that to create an impression. Wealth and outward signs of success. My favorite possession that I have is my boat. Possession, not my favorite thing or, I'm not calling my wife a thing. I prefer my wife to my boat. That's why I've invited someone to go fishing tomorrow, but I said I may not go because I may go walking with my wife instead. Let's see how we go. But you know, sometimes people are like, What's a pastor doing with a boat? It's all, it's all a part of the same thing. He fishes from it, he swims off it, and if someone else will drive it, he water skis behind it. That's not, I'm not offering for you to drive it. Yeah. Here's Jesus' response. We've got to finish this up. Oh, it's 11.30. Verse 12. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Hang on, I like it is written. It is written's got more sort of like kaboom to it. It has been said, seems less potent than it is written, but Deuteronomy 6.16 says you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So it actually is written. It actually is written. And he says you shall not tempt the Lord. The word tempt means put God on trial, test him thoroughly. You shall not put the Lord your God on trial. We've all fallen into that trap. God, if you don't. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer like that? We have a deep longing for him to do something. We say, if God, if you don't do this, then I'm going to, you're going to what? Come on. You're going to what? <laughs> Am I the only one that's fallen into that trap where you're almost like threatening? God, if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, then I'm going to really. Come on, what? What are we going to do? Here's my final thoughts about all this. You all right? Okay, we're coming in for a landing. I want to talk to you about the finest hour of the church. If you pay any attention, I, I, did, I posted that also this week. I got inspired listening to a speech by Winston Churchill. In uh, 1940, June the 18th, in the British Parliament, the House of Commons, Winston Churchill gave a speech. And this was a pretty dreadful time for Great Britain. The war was raging and the nation was bracing for imminent German invasion. And in the midst of the difficulties, Winston Churchill, who on another occasion, in one of his speeches that I loved, when, when uh, the Luftwaffe were doing a blitzkrieg of London and dropping bombs, Winston Churchill stood in the street 
shook his fist at the planes flying overhead and said, rain down your worst, we will still win. Don't you love that? Jared and I enjoyed that. In the midst of the difficulties, Winston Churchill projected out into the future, and he said this, let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties, and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say this was their finest hour. My opinion is this, that in the closing decades of this age, my opinion is there are decades, not centuries. Some people believe minutes, some people believe weeks. I'm in the de- I believe there are decades, personally, but one way or another we're all going to find out, aren't we? If I say decades and it's centuries, whoops. If I say decades and it's minutes, bonus. That's my view. My opinion is this. In the closing decades of this century, a glorious church will emerge. The church filled with the Holy Spirit and seeing the demonstration of the power of God. The church that will be a living testimony of Jesus in our nation and that many will come to know him as Lord and Savior in these closing decades at the hands of this glorious church. I'm not talking about glorious buildings. I'm not talking about massive social media followings. I'm not talking about the show because the show has been cancelled. I'm talking about a church where two-year-olds have visions and see the living creatures. I'm talking about the church where four-year-olds can prophesy over a situation their family is facing. Don't worry, mama. Don't worry, papa. Something is, and tell them what the Lord is saying. I'm talking about 12 and 13 year olds with such a burning fire in their heart that no matter how toxic and no matter how oppressive the spiritual climate among our young people becomes, they know who they are and they are filled with the Spirit and they, like Caleb of old, will be men and women of a different spirit who serve the Lord wholeheartedly. I'm talking about parents who are raising their children in a godly way, not simply settling into handing their kids over, but who are going to raise their kids. I'm talking about men who are going to stop abdicating the church to the ladies and letting the ladies be the spiritual ones, but men who will stand up and be burning pillars of fire in their lives and homes and workplaces and environments. Men who will be men of prayer men of the Word, men who get up early and pray over their families. I'm talking about women who are not going to get caught up in this vanity where it's all about, it's all about the things of the world and, 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 and watching this sitcom and that sitcom, but, but women with a, with a beauty and a simplicity of heart. I'm not saying you can't wear a nice dress. I'm not saying don't put on makeup. Don't hear me becoming some weird prude. My wife is beautiful and I love that dress that she's wearing today. In fact, I think I helped buy it. I didn't try it on. (laughs) Talking about grandparents that are not just going to be sitting there, just, you know, they're going to burn and pray over their families. You know, it's been said that you might as well give up if you've got a praying grandma. (laughs) Pray, grandma, pray, grandpa. People that won't go to church, but who'll be church, whether the gospel, wherever you are, is spreading. Listen. In the Bible, there is both the go and tell and the come and see. Don't throw, we make the stupid choice. It's all come and see, come and see. But it's actually both come and see and go and tell. The go and tell people forget the come and see and the come and see people don't do the go and tell. Just saying. Many are going to know the Lord. Not just in Iran or Syria or Afghanistan, in New Zealand. In this land, there is coming another great awakening. I believe 
with all my heart, the days ahead of us are the church's finest hour. They are not our most comfortable. They are not the easiest, but from the perspective of eternity, we will look and go, ah, that was our finest hour. And that's why I want to encourage you ladies, get into that ladies group that Annette runs, because you're going to need some ladies around you. Men, get up early and come on a Wednesday morning because you're going to need some blokes that look you in the eye and provoke. We're going to need it. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you transparently that a big part of why I'm still standing after the two years I've had is because I've had people around me like Steve, like Rob, like Danny. And I could just go through person after person after person who has provoked me and reminded me and sharpened me and when I wanted to give up and run away and have a pity party had Annette come into my office and say don't be a wuss <laughs> okay I gotta, I gotta so with that in mind has any of this made sense to anybody I feel like I've just got lost in my own passion trying to Trying to trans, translate fire into English is not easy. What do you reckon? Has it come out all right, Scott? You got any of that? Has it made sense? Okay, good. No, if I, I'm, I'm done. I'm re, I, I mean, I could, but I won't. But I really appreciate that. Here is a final exhortation from the word that I read to you before. 1 John 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things... In the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I think it's important to realize the world is talking about the world's values, the world's priorities. It's actually saying don't love the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is everywhere. Don't fall into these traps. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world and the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he or she he or she who does the will of God abides forever. What I'd like you to do, if you wouldn't mind, would you, would you mind just standing? And I wonder, Dave and Lynn, would you mind coming? It's just a couple of people that were in the prayer meeting I just want to check with to see if there's anything that needs to be added. Marianne, is there anything to add there? You sure? You look like, you look like you've got that look about you. Okay, I'll circle back. I'll circle back. Jared? Anything to add? Elaine? Anything to add? More of that. I'm just going to pick on people that are in the prayer meeting, if that's all right, Robin. That's not to make it elitist. Uh, but I would like to hear. Danny, you anything to add? But you want to put it another way? Anything to add? How many of you think Danny's got something to add? You can see it on him, can't you? Come on, brother. What do you got to add? Don't, don't, don't make us start a chant. Testimonies of those men this morning before the message. Um, bless you. And the Lord's going to multiply what those, those, those testimonies are going to become commonplace. Miracle man. Steve's a miracle man. We haven't heard all of that testimony. Rhonda and I stayed behind a prayer meeting and watched the photos and listened to the whole thing when the lights went out in the dark, listening to it. It's an amazing miracle in our midst. And that's going to be commonplace. It's going to happen. 
It's going to happen. Um, Lord, I thank you what you're doing and strengthening this, uh, this part of the ecclesia, your representation on this place. Thank you for this man, Lord, and his family, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we're hanging in there and we're not just going to be hanging in there for survival. We're hanging in there to thrive, to thrive, to thrive in the Lord. For your glory. For your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus, for the strengthening that is a coming. Thank you, Jesus, for the insight. Thank you, Jesus, that you made it possible by your blood, by the cross, central to us, to what we believe is you, Lord. The empty tomb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're going to see it with your own eyes. The Lord is going to speak to you in dreams. There's going to be many words of knowledge. There's going to be miracles, signs and wonders in our midst. Yeah, for his namesake. Amen. Would you mind playing again? I was enjoying that. Okay, here's how we're doing the altar. Oh, Harvey, you were in the prayer meeting. What have you got to add there, sir? Um, just, just after you've been sharing, Kristen, I saw like a tug of war. And we as, as Christians are on a slope. And the slope is a slippery slope but we've got hold of the rope and the world is pulling us. It's like a, a big um, hunky sports team on the, on the opposite side of the creek. And um, we, what I saw was there are things under our feet giving us a sure footing and that's standing on the Word of God. And the, I also saw that um, there were like um, cords holding us back so that we couldn't fall over and the cords are the teaching that we've been receiving from our brothers and sisters in Christ that God is going to give us the strength to overcome the world and we will be able to withstand the, the pull on the rope that, that wants to drag us into destruction Thank you Oh, Anna, are you coming too? Excellent Come on, come to. Um, I feel like the Lord is saying that um, with relationship with Him comes revelation from Him. So He's, we're in a place where He's preparing us. Uh, for what's to come, you know, I really, uh, you know, I know that the Lord wants to endorse exactly what Kristen's been sharing, or the Lord's been sharing through Kristen. But there, there's this. I know that Holy Spirit has been talking to me a lot, and in in the midst of the talking, midst of the still small voice, or you go to a meeting and and somebody says something or shares something, and you know that it's for you. Um, with that comes revelation. So like, as an example, um, I'd had a prophetic word that someone gave me that I'm like I was in a wheel spin and the only way to get out of that was through being thankful and I struggled with being thankful. So a whole series of things happened over the next couple of weeks and I came home one night after a meeting and I lay in my bed and the Holy Spirit said, oh, so you think I'm a liar? And uh, immediately I knew what he was saying because I had denied his promises to me. Um, and the prophetic words, the, the, the things that I read, the things that I felt in my own heart that he'd been saying to me, and it's like he's saying things to all of us um, because, oh, I'm saying this properly, but like his desire for what has been shared 
is, is so incredibly, it's huge. It's, it's what he wants. He wants to break through. He wants to, he wants to see the signs and wonders and miracles because he wants to bring people in to his kingdom. He wants to see those things even more than we can even imagine. But he's in the process right now of speaking to us so that we are prepared for what he's going to do. So I, I've spent a lot of time over the last, well, time, just repenting of things uh, in my life that I knew were not pleasing to him. And, you know, sometimes you can come to the front and you can appear to be such and such, but in actual fact, the Holy Spirit's working in you because he's going to change you to be what it is that he knows that you should be. Um, we, we're... And we're in that process and, you know, we go through things and, and you sort of kind of, why? Why is that, Lord? And the Holy Spirit says, because uh, I need you to change in that area. Not because he doesn't like me, but because he knows that when that area is dealt with, then we're closer to what it is that he has always intended us to be. Is this making sense? And like we come to meetings like this, and uh, Holy Spirit's working. He, he, he's preparing us. That's, that's what I, wanna, I want. I believe that He wants to say. Holy Spirit, I thank you for each and every one here. And we, we're all related. We're all brothers and sisters in you. And uh, you have a destiny for each and every one of us. And Lord, we, we, we thank you for that. We thank you that, that for what you're going to do. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that each one of us would find our place in you and function in, in what it is that you want us to function in, that we achieve what it is that you want to achieve. We, we, we honor you. We love you, Holy Spirit. And we thank you for all the things that you've done. But also we thank you for what you're doing now and what you're going to do. Thank you, Father. I believe the Lord is saying, be encouraged. Be of great courage. Two things. In the words that this is a time of re-feeling and re-unveiling. Reveal means you see it again and he will quicken it. But unveiling is taking away all those veils that have stopped us and have taken away by unfailing now make it possible for us to enter much, much deeper and closer, more intimately. Yes, that will take courage. But he says, I'll make you strong. Thank you. Well, um, these, and we'll make, is it still recording? We'll put all that on the, on the podcast for those of you that listen to that. Um, I, I was watching all these adults coming, and I actually think we're going to see a time where the microphone is going to be getting handed like this. It's going to be handed to the children as well. So here's how we're going to conclude the meeting. This is how I felt like the Lord said we should do 